What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Uh, today, Carlos Colazo is not with us. Uh, that was actually something probably that was my fault, to be honest. There was a scheduling issue. I was traveling. Carlos was working. And uh, basically, we, we flipped a coin. It ended up being uh, me getting the, uh, the long straw in this instance to be able to host the podcast and uh, joining me um, for the first time in a little while, although a regular guest of the podcast, his name is Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? Hey, Brad. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, it's It's been a long day. I'm not going to lie. I drove back from Raleigh, North Carolina um, just now. So uh, here we are. Uh, I think I'm caught up on everything that's transpired, but I'm probably going to lean on you to carry me a little bit today. And I, I know you're willing and able, so uh, I appreciate you doing it, man. I absolutely love the month of March between spring training kicking up and then March Madness, which is the best sporting event in the world as far as I'm concerned. Uh, love this time of year and ready for some baseball and ready for some March Madness. Yeah, you and I uh, are big time college basketball fans. I'm not sure there's a lot of those people that actually cross over into Braves country, but uh, I know you and I are. So I am uh, definitely fired up in the same way you are for college hoops, even if my team is not actually a threat to do anything, much less, uh, much like your team, because your team's actually good. So uh, anyway. Before we, get, before we get down that rabbit hole, uh, we can talk some baseball here. Uh, the Braves got throttled today um, in a spring training game. I don't really care about that. I don't think you. I don't think you do either. But it's worth talking about. You know, Mike Fulton Amish pitched today. It looked decent by all counts. Three innings, uh, one earned run, one walk, and one strikeout. Uh, any big sweeping takes on uh, what we what we've actually seen on the field recently for the Braves? Obviously, we'll talk about this a little bit. But uh, uh, worth noting that the Braves did get housed as we record this. Huh. Not nothing too much out of the ordinary. I think with Fulte, it's kind of what's been expected of him, uh, really throughout his you know first year and a half or so in the league. Um, good stuff looked good. He he said publicly a couple times that he has strength back that he didn't have last last spring as he recovered from that uh, pretty ridiculous uh, medical condition he had where he could have died if I remember right. So I think for his sake, I'm sure he he's glad just to be out there and to be a hundred percent. Um, faced a pretty loaded Red Sox lineup today and, and got away pretty unscathed. Um, but yeah, for Fulte, I, I, again, I, I've said this a couple times here on the cast, I think he's going to have a nice season and he seems healthy and, and if he's throwing well and if he's able to take that next step, I, I think uh, as long as he can kind of make it through the, through the spring without any injuries popping back up, I, I think he's, uh, he's in for a nice season. I, we're actually going to talk about this later on the podcast, but I just realized it's probably a good time to do it now. Uh, there's this notion out there that uh, Fulte's in some sort of competition for the fifth spot in the rotation, uh, which you and I kind of laughed about offline. But let's la- we, now we can laugh about it online. Um, huh. Is there any is there any scenario in which Fulte is healthy and not in the rotation? Because I think uh, even with the presence of Matt Whistler, who's been in the rotation two years in a row, and I guess Aaron Blair, uh, people are some people are always thinking that Fulte has to quote unquote earn his spot. I don't really think that's true, but I'm wondering if you agree with me. I think I think you do. Absolutely, I think you know it's kind of the the talk radio season for for copy right now. He has to go on and talk about something with all these different folks, and uh, publicly he, the the franchise can say that. Uh, that Fulte's in a, a roster battle with Whistler, Blair. I think he, he's mentioned John Danks and that crew. Um, I don't quite think it's a battle. It would require him to, you know, outside of injury, uh, just get absolutely lit up this spring. And even then, I, I can't imagine he's not with the 25-man to open the season. Yeah, which is not even, I mean, so far he's been, you know, in, in two appearances, you know, a 1.80 ERA. He basically has allowed 
uh, one run in five innings. Uh, even with that, though, as you said, I think it would have taken like a 12 ERA and some some real serious mechanical stuff for Fulton to not be in the rotation. I, th- I just think his upside is too high, and he was too good last year to not just go ahead and be given a spot. I understand you, you don't want to say you're going to give him a spot, so I understand that. But, um, I mean, for me, I, I would be taking, I'd be taking a guy like Dickey out of the rotation before I'd be taking uh, Fulton out of the rotation. Uh, if, if for some reason you wanted, you know, if Whistler was so good, you wanted to give him a, a start. And by the way, Matt Whistler has a 13.5 ERA right now in spring training as we talk about this. And Aaron Blair is at 9.0. So those guys are not going to be really a threat. If for some reason John Denks looked like the John Denks of old and you wanted to give him a roster spot, um, I would rather see a guy like Dickey in the bullpen than I would see Fulton out of the rotation. That's just my opinion. I think it's just kind of lip service from a GM who's trying to push his young guys. And, and, you know, I think for Fulte, maybe it's just because he's been around the prospect circle for so long. He had a lot of hype coming up. And, of course, he was closely looked down the trade. But Fulte is only 25. He turned 25 back in October. Um, at least in my head, I always think he's a little bit older than that, 27, 28. So you're talking about a guy who is still really young, somebody who's still learning, um, I don't see any reason at all for the Braves not to give him every shot to be successful in the big leagues this year. For sure. I think he'll get it, uh, as we both said there. I think that's kind of a non-story, but worth bringing up because we, we, we've been asked about it a few times, and I think he's uh, very, very safe, especially because he's uh, also been good in his, in his, in his two first uh, spring training outings. Not that that matters a ton to me, but it will take hopefully to take some pressure off Fulte to uh, earn his way into the rotation. Um, with that, it's a good time to transition to uh, – a dark time on the podcast only because you're here and your your favorite son uh, has been injured. Uh, Dustin Peterson is going to be out at least uh, at least eight weeks, maybe longer, with a hand issue as he, as he had surgery earlier this week. Uh, I mourn for you. I know you mourn for Dustin Peterson. I was devastated when when I think Bowman tweeted out that he was going to be out uh, until May. I was uh, I was a little heartbroken, but hopefully. Um, it doesn't sound like it's too too bad. You know, it's not a situation. Obviously, it's you know, it's not an elbow issue for a pitcher. It's not an ACL guy for uh, for a position player. Um, but I think that you know, fingers crossed, he's able to come back within a couple months and and at least put together a nice second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think about the possibility of him actually? You know, there, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure if this, is, if this is even true, but a lot of people were thinking that Peterson could be a dark horse to make a run to the uh, to the big leagues this year by the end of the year, not necessarily early. But uh, do you think this sets him back there at all? Obviously, it will a little bit just in time timetable wise with him not playing. But what do you think the chances are that if he could come back healthy and sort of make an make an impression that he could actually be on the roster by the end of the year? I think it 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 narrows the potential for it. Uh, even more so than it was. Um, the issue with the Hamet bone is is it kind of zaps power from hitters, and he was never a guy who had you know eighty grade power by any means. He had a little bit of pop, so yeah, I think he had an outside shot at maybe getting a roster call up, or or if Kemper Marcakis went down and he was going uh, going well down in Gwinnett, uh, he'd have a shot. Now I think it only pushes back his timetable a little bit. Um, so you know. It, but again, he's a young guy. He's somebody who was really not even on the prospect radar uh, this time last year before having his big year in Mississippi. So maybe it's kind of a blessing in disguise, or at least the big Dustin Peterson fan here will say it's a blessing in disguise and hope that he's able to take a full season in Gwinnett and then come back in 2018 in a, in a bigger role. Yeah, I feel like every time every time I mention Dustin Peterson on the podcast, I mention him as your as your guy. Uh, sort He's of in, my guy. Sort of in the way that I do with Mike Soroka and Eric, um, just because that's his guy. Uh, I don't really have a guy that's like that guy for me. So I I felt super bad for you when this happened. So hopefully, 
hopefully that's the, hopefully Dustin Peterson gets back soon because he's a guy I've actually been intrigued of uh, only probably because you talked about him so much, but also because the numbers uh, and, and and his tools are intriguing to me. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, sort of a sort of a negative thing there. Hopefully Peterson's uh, healthy sooner rather than later. Um, before we get on to uh, – we will be doing the bullpen preview today as we as we teased last week, uh, doing the bench preview on last week's podcast. If you missed that, please go back and listen to that. But before we get to that, a couple of other spring training storylines to hit on here. Um, um, the notion that uh, th- you know, sort of th- what's going to happen with third base, obviously we're going to do a full-on lineup preview later in the spring, but um, there's been some questions. You know, Rio Ruiz has been uh, very good early on in spring, and he had a, a, a very nice home run off a right-handed pitcher earlier uh, earlier this week, and that sort of brought about the notion that he could be uh, a member of, the, of, a, of a platoon with Adonis Garcia at third base. What are your thoughts on that, and if it would be something that you'd be interested in? Obviously, there's a bunch of layers there. We talked about it in the past, but now that we're getting sort of down to crunch time here with what the bench is going to look like, what do you think about Ruiz and a, plat- and a potential platoon with Garcia? I think it makes all the sense in the world, and I hope the Braves do too. Uh, you know, nothing against Adonis Garcia, but he is who he is at this point in his career. He, you know, he's in his 30s. Um, I think, actually, he, he surpassed the low expectations that were of him in 2016. Agreed, for sure. Um, I, I, I was worried that it was going to be a total disaster and we were going to have to cover our eyes every time the ball was hit to third. So I think Adonis gets deserves some credit for that. Um, but you look at Rio, and, and while he kind of he, – he's an interesting prospect in the sense that he was a top 100 guy uh, when he came over to Atlanta. Now, he wasn't an elite prospect, he means, but he floated around some back-end top 100 lists um, I think even Kylie McDaniels, who of course was with Fangraphs and is now in the Braves front office, um, he was somebody who was high on Rio. And Rio came over and was just awful in Mississippi. And I think he kind of fell off the bandwagon a little bit, or, or, or kind of fell off the, I guess the the purview of of people looking at the farm. And last year he was really quite good in Gwinnett, and when he was just 21. Um, you know, if you look at Rio's numbers, he's a left-handed hitter and was horrible against lefty hitters, um, but crushed righties. And if you think about it, well, he's a left-handed hitter. Uh, Adonis is a right-handed hitter. Well, what do you know? If it seems like, a, if not a straight platoon, then at least the opportunity for a platoon. And the Braves are in a situation where they need to get the very most out of every position on their lineup. Um, and, and I think it makes all the sense in the world. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week a little bit. I, for me, I think it's it's entirely possible, or maybe even probable, that that the best the best uh, way to way to, way to handle third base this year, purely on the field, is to do is to, is to platoon them. I think Ruiz is going to be able to hit right handed pitching. Um, I think the only concern I would have is that if you think Ruiz is going to be your third baseman long term, then having you know maybe stunning his growth a little bit, but not having him face lefties at all might be a problem. Uh, and I get that. So from a de- from a developmental standpoint, maybe you want to have him play full time in AAA. But I think purely if you want to think about winning games this year, because of the fact that you don't have Sean Rodriguez on the roster right now because of the injury, uh, I think Ruiz being on the team would be a good idea, and be- being in a platoon would be a good idea because, as you mentioned, Garcia's ceiling is very very low in general. Um, I think we've probably seen the-, the best of him already. And Ruiz, there's at least a-, a decent chance that if you're playing him, you know, three or four days a week against right-handed pitching, uh, he could be pretty decent right away, and that would be. That would be encouraging because I'm not sure Garcia is going to be able to do even what he did last year again, much less anything better than that. So I don't know. It's it's sort of a complicated thing because Ruiz is still really young, and I, I understand you want him to get better. I guess left-handed pitching at some point, but uh, it's sort of a, it's sort of a risk-reward sentiment there because I'm not sure he's ever going to be a standout, you know, full-time starter at third base as is. Um, but if the, if the Braves feel like he's going to be better than that, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll hold him off for a little while. I'm not sure. 
you know, you mentioned the everyday thing, and and I think that that's a very valid question. Do the Braves want to potentially stunt his growth of playing every day for playing, you know, four, three or four days a week in Atlanta? Uh, I think it's a very valid question. It'd be one I'd be fascinated to hear kind of what Brian Snicker and the front office think about it. Um, to give you an idea of what a potential platoon could look like between the two, um, in Adonis's two seasons in the big leagues, um, his line against left-handed pitching is 310, 357, 472, uh, which bounces out to a 122 uh, WRC+. Plus. So again, an 829 OPS against lefties. Now you look at Rio, who last season in AAA. Now, I'm certainly not comparing AAA pitching to big league pitching by any means, but if you compare uh, Rio's line in, in AAA against, against right-handed pitching, he hit 294, 375, 458, which was an 833 OPS. So it, it certainly makes sense on paper. I don't know if the Braves are going to go for it uh, for real, at least to open up the season. Um, but it's something I would like to see them do. And if, if they don't feel that Rio needs another couple months in the minor leagues of everyday playing, um, something that I think could be pretty successful for the Braves if they handled it correctly. Yep, and I, I would not be upset about that at all. I, I don't think Ruiz is necessarily going to be a star or anything like that, so it wouldn't bother me too much, but I would definitely understand it if the Braves want to hold him down a little bit longer in AAA and having him, have him get full-time at-bats, including facing a bunch of lefties. Um, but we'll see what the bench, you know, they're going to go with a, probably with a short bench, as we're going to talk about in the second year, with going with a, with a deep bullpen. So we'll see if, what they do with that roster spot, but I would be okay with Rio Ruiz for sure, and uh, he's definitely better than some of the other options that they have uh, on the bench right now. Uh, before we get into the bullpen, one more thing to talk about a couple of uh, very young guys who are not going to be on the team this year but who are impressing in camp so far uh, Max Freed and Ronald Acuna Freed in a pretty small sample has been really good in three scoreless innings and Acuna has been lighting the world on fire to the point where I'm getting questions on Twitter and so is the Talking Chop account about Acuna making the team uh, that's kind of insane because he's <laughs> 19 years old but uh, uh, I guess thoughts on, the, on those two guys and uh, obviously it's pretty good that they're, that they're playing well but uh, maybe, maybe damping down some expectations here especially with Acuna uh, anytime you're 19 years old and drawing comparisons to Andrew Jones, who should be a Hall of Famer, um, anytime you're 19 years old and getting comparisons to a Hall of Fame center fielder, is it's obviously going to create a buzz, and I think that's what we're seeing with Acuna, uh, a guy who you just watch him swing the bat a couple times, and you can see that the potential is there. Uh, as you touched on, there's no chance that he sees Atlanta this year. He's probably a guy who, if everything works out, at least two years away. Um but the excitement factor with him is obvious. The ball just bounces off. I mean, you see him, uh, I think he put an opposite field double the other day, and you watch the video, and, and the ball just flew off his bat. Um, he's athletic. He's fun. Uh, you know, and really, for the Braves, it just kind of goes to the, the farm system, and it's really what they've been working to build. And I think when you talk about ceilings, uh, Acuna and Freed have two of the highest. Now they also have the potential to, to bust out. Um, of course, with Freed, you have to kind of cross your fingers and cover your eyes that he doesn't, you know, his, his elbow, which he had surgery on two years ago, doesn't start barking. Um, but when you look at those two guys, they're certainly two of the more exciting guys in camp, and strong starts uh, are always fun. Uh, you know, granted, these are two guys who will probably be uh, shipped down to the minor league camp within a week or so, so enjoy them while you can. But uh, it's always fun to see your young kids play well. Uh, in the spring and get some at bats and and hopefully it's a you know within a couple of years they're guys the Braves can count on and kind of look back on when they you know are done with the rebuild and say these are two of the guys who kind of got us out of the dark days. Yeah, I was trying to think of a scenario where Acuna would come up to the big leagues even at any point this year, and I think it might take him just being like 
the best player of all time in the minors. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no, it's not happening. Like, it, it, I can't imagine a scenario. There was, it was, I got a question this week that basically said, you know, if Acuna makes the team, can, can the Braves trade Marquecas? And it's like, well, uh, they could trade Marquecas, but it won't be because Acuna makes the team. Uh, he's 19, and it's not as if he's Ozzy Albies in 19. You know, Albies had a lengthy track record in the minor leagues. Acuna has like 300 pro at bats at any level. Like, it's not, that's not happening. But it's fun to talk about because he's awesome and it's been really, really fun so far. Um, so not, I, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody that's uh, hoping for him to be up, up sooner rather than later. It's just not going to happen this year. And hopefully hopefully if he's he, hopefully he's so good this year that we're talking about him having uh, having a long shot to make the team in 2018. That would that would still be crazy aggressive. But if he's that good again, then maybe we'll talk about that in a more credible scenario. But it's not happening this year. Yeah, you know, but again, and I'll get to this in a little shift gear, you know, three years ago, if you go look at the Braves, uh, this came up the other day, uh, the Braves' top 10 prospect list three years ago. Go take a look at it. It's brutal, and see, You have Ian Thomas was the club's number 10 prospect from Keith Law. Um, I think Braxton Davidson and Christian Bethancourt, uh, two guys who are still kind of hanging around, were second and third. Uh, Lucas Sims was number one. Um, Jose Peraza, who who might you know have a little career here in the big leagues, uh, he was in there somewhere. Um, but you compare that to where the franchise is at now, where the farm system's at now, and it's it is beyond night and day the comparison. And it's it's certainly fun to see the young guys as they're uh, kind of making their way through the system. Yeah, those those were dark days, but uh, it's it's definitely a better time now, and our our prospect guys are getting spoiled because of the uh, the amount of talent, which is a good thing, um, in the system. Uh, well, Scott, let's let's preview the bullpen here. We've been teasing this a little bit, so let's talk about that a little. I guess the big question before we get into anything else. Do you think the Braves are going to carry eight guys? I think we're operating on the assumption, at least Carlos and I were last year, I'm sorry, last week, that the Braves are going to operate with eight guys in the bullpen. Does that sound about right to you? Do you think they might go with seven? I'm imagining eight, but who, who knows? I think it's going to be eight at least for the first couple weeks of the season. Um, but, yes, it, it makes sense given the kind of wide range of arms and talent and guys who are out of options. Yes, I think eight is the, the safe number. Okay, with that said, uh, the locks, I guess, are uh, let's just let's just get that out of the way. Who's a lock to make this team if they're healthy? You know, obviously Jim Johnson is the closer, so he's a lock. Who else would you say is in the lock category if the season starts today and they're healthy? I would say Vizcaino, as long as he's healthy, um, he's had a really nice spring so far. Um, Ian Kroll, based on his past success, I, I think is a lock. Um, and then I don't know if he's a hundred percent a lock, but it would really something bad would have to happen for Mauricio Cabrera and his one hundred and four mile an hour fastball not to make it, just because uh, uh, he would just considering how well he threw the ball last year, and honestly he doesn't have much left to prove in the minor leagues. I think Mauricio Cabrera is there, um, and to a lesser extent, I think Jose Ramirez has a better shot than others, just given again his arm and his ability to. You know, the Braves were able to see him some last year, but I don't think he's a lock. So of the four true locks, I think it's Jim Johnson, Vizcaino, uh, uh, Kroll, and Cabrera. Yeah, I think we would. I think we're lockstep there. You know, Cabrera with a sub three ERA and forty one appearances last year, and of course the big fastball. I think he's definitely going to be on the team. Ramirez would be the next guy if you wanted to pick one. I'm with you all the way on that. So that I guess we'll just go ahead and count him there. That's five. Um, so you're talking about three spots now. Um, it's sort of a smorgasbord of options between. Uh, there's two lefties vying for a sort of a, a straight lefty spot because Kroll is not a. While he's very, he, it was very good last year. He's not a. He's not a lefty specialist by any means. Um, so we'll go. We'll go beyond that. With, we, they have Paco Rodriguez and Jesse Biddle on the left-handed side. 
And also, uh, also by fighting for spots, you get guys like Chaz Rowe, Daniel Winkler, uh, even Josh Colmenter, who is really more of a starter but could function, function in the bullpen. Am I missing anybody there? I don't think I am, but I was uh, admittedly doing this in a hurry when I was putting this together. So I think that's probably it, but maybe there's a dark horse somewhere I'm missing. Uh, AJ Minter, maybe? Yeah, I think that's about it. It sounds like the Braves are bringing Minter along slowly. Um, Armando Rivero, who is a Rule 5 pick from the Cubs, he, he's had some shoulder issues, hasn't really pitched this spring. Um, a guy who, who's running at a train track a little bit because the Braves have to open the season with him in Atlanta or, or give him back to the Cubs. Uh, but really, yes, I think that's about it, at least for the guys who truly have a shot. I mean, Jason Hirsch got a little bit of a taste last year, but he's been bad so far and, and uh, was kind of a desperation pickup or an, uh, a promotion last year. Um, Luke Jackson, who was brought over from the uh, oh, yeah, Rangers. Yeah. Um, he, I think he has an outside shot. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves want to give him a little time in, in the minors just to um, kind of put their stamp on him a little bit more, but he might have a shot. Um, Eric O'Flaherty is, is still somehow floating out there. But old, I, I think old friend the, Eric O'Flaherty, legendary. Will, the year will be 2026, and Eric O'Flaherty will still be an Atlanta Brave. Uh, you know, So, yes, I think those are kind of the main guys. Uh I think Paco Rodriguez, if he can stay healthy, and that's the thing with him, he hasn't pitched in two years, but if he can stay healthy, um, he looked good the other day. I think he's a guy who, um, if he has a strong spring, is is a near lock to make it. Um, again, you cross your fingers, cover your eyes, that he's not going to get hurt again, but um, has really good stuff. Um, and, and Chaz Rowe, you touched on, had uh, a nice little stint with the Braves last year. Uh, has kind of struggled so far this spring. More than, kind of, more than kind of struggled, I would say. Yeah, I, I believe it's one inning, one inning of work and seven earned runs. So yeah, I, his ERA is currently sixty three. Uh, but if Rowe, who's a veteran, you know the Braves are, are not going to make a bullpen decision based on one bad start. Um, I think Rowe has a shot, and Cole Mentor makes a lot of sense, just kind of as a swing man who can kind of mop up the the, the garbage innings, if you will, um, whenever a starter has to leave early. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Judging Ro- if Roe was a uh, a younger guy, I would be more worried about him uh, being on the team. What about Winkler? Are you interested in Winkler at all? I think that's a guy who people keep asking about and kind of wondering about because he was around and was injured. And uh, I don't know, interesting name. Uh, the left-handed battle between Rodriguez and Biddle is the interesting thing for me because you need a lefty, you need a loogie at least with with the way that I, w- I would imagine Snickers going to handle this bullpen and Kroll being you know not that guy again. He's more of a uh, not better against uh, not better against right necessarily, but not not a dominant lefty specialist. I would imagine they're going to carry one of those guys. Uh, Rodriguez, I, w- I would agree with you, is probably has the inside track there. But you think Winkler has a has a shot if he's a, if he's around and healthy and good this spring? Uh, if he has a shot, or if he has a shot, if if he has a <laughs> chance to make it, it's going to be because he's healthy. And I think that just reading early on, that the initial thought was he was going to be more of an April or, or uh, May guy when he was fully cleared to ramp it up. Um, so he'll, he'll certainly have a shot if, if he doesn't break camp, uh, with the Braves in Atlanta, I think he's a guy who we'll see at some point. Um, but yes, he, he certainly, uh, impressed in his limited duty last year, uh, with the Braves. And if he's, if he's able to get healthy and, and throw, I mean, he, he throws really hard if he's able to keep throwing hard, and, uh, and just kind of stay off the mend. I, I think he's another guy who has a shot. Um, I'm with you on Biddle. He's another intriguing guy, though I do think Paco has a little bit of a leg up on him. Agreed. Um, but but the good news is is we're listing off maybe 11 or 12 guys here altogether. Um, you know, even if O'Flaherty is not the number one option, he's a guy who can at least go out there and, and not you know walk the ballpark. Isn't going to give up eight runs every time he goes out there. 
Um, I, I think the good news is for the Braves that they're not in a situation where they have six guys and that's about it. Um, you know, there's 10 or 11 legitimate options here who can fill in if, if somebody goes down. And inevitably, somebody will go down. Yeah, I, I would like for them, honestly, coming out of the gate to carry, you know, the five guys we talked about plus one of the lefties. Um, Rodriguez probably with a leg up there. That would take you to six. I'd like to see them carry Colmenter. Um, I think Colmenter is just Same. a generally pretty good pitcher who could also be your long man. Um, Absolutely. Um, so, you know, and I don't, I don't really see a whole lot of upside in having him in, in AAA as sort of the emergency starter because you have those guys in Whistler and Blair already. Um, so I would go ahead and use Colmenter in a role that's more uh, becoming of his, of his skills and have him be the long man. Um, and then that, that kind of leaves one spot. I mean, if you're looking at that seven, essentially, and you're talking about one spot between, the, the, between Rowe and Winkler, um, I guess you could theoretically carry another lefty if you wanted to. I don't know. It's, it's not a bad situation. I think you know, the bullpen's not you know, the best in the history of the world or anything like that, but they have, I think, you know, five guys who are legitimately good. Um, looking at, at, least, at least right now with, with the way they're looking at it, plus if, I think Cole Mentor would, would be an above-average long man, honestly, from what we've seen about, of him recently. So this is, a, this is a pretty good group, I'd imagine. I mean, there's some, there's some uncertainty, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, and basically everybody has uncertainty this, this time of year in the bullpen. Uh, yes, absolutely. I don't think there's a team in baseball right now that that's walking out to camp every morning and go, boy, this bullpen is, you know, this eight man bullpen is set in stone. Um, but yes, I think there's some intriguing arms. I think there's a good mix of arms. Um, and again, if, if just because, uh, I can only imagine the number of, of bullpen changes the Braves have made over the last two years throughout the season. Um, you know, we, we haven't even mentioned AJ Minter, um, who sounds like he has a little bit of elbow soreness as he bring, comes back from Tommy John. Uh, the Braves are going to bring him along a little bit slower than normal, but um, he's a guy we could see. Um, even a Lucas Sims, who who seems to be uh, just kind of struggling in the minors right now, if they want to shift him to a bullpen role, he could probably move pretty quickly. Uh, there's a handful of guys, and, and there's, that's always a good thing for the Braves. And you know, if someone stumbles out of the gate, it's not like they have to go make a you know a waiver claim, uh, you know, swing a trade for a reliever, um, which is which is obviously an encouraging thing for for Brian Snicker as he moves forward. For sure, and listen, we'll have plenty of time to talk about the bullpen as we get closer to opening day. But wanted to at least hit on all the options here. You know, if injuries or stuff like that happen, you might have some dominant performances to kind of make this a lot easier for Snit. But uh, until then, he'll have a couple of interesting decisions to make, if nothing else. So, uh, not not too bad there. I think the Braves will have one of the better bullpens in the league, at least on paper. And you kind of never know until things go on. But uh, I'm encouraged by what I see in the bullpen this year. Um, we can get away from that a little bit and talk about an interesting question that was kind of popping up on Twitter this uh, this week and also was on TalkingChop.com and sort of a poll setting. Um, it was uh, sort of a debate raging as to what the worst move of the copy era has been in terms of a trade. Um, a, couple, a couple of high-profile ones, of course, but I'm interested to see what you think about this. Which copy trade would you kind of go back and deny uh, in retrospect? I have an opinion, but I want to see if I fire our thoughts line, line up on this one. Well, full disclosure to everyone listening out there, we discussed this question before. So my first answer would be the Hector Oliveira trade, but we're going to let Brad kind of tackle that uh, <laughs> because that was just kind of a nightmare from day one. Uh, my my vote would be the Andrelton Simmons deal, and there's a couple of reasons behind that. Um, I guess we can kind of touch on both as far as as far as the Oliveira deal, Brad. How do you? Um, kind of how bad that originally looked, and while it still doesn't look great, just kind of coming out of the fire a little bit. Um, with some recent moves and, and stuff that's been made, um, you know, kind of secondhand from that original deal. Yeah, by the way, uh, that is the number one commented uh, story this week on TalkingChop.com with 309 comments. So that kind of tells mm-hmm. you uh, what kind of what kind of topic this has been. Um, but yeah, uh, 
The Oliveira deal, at the time, I hated it. So I think I'm still um, sort of partial to that one just because I just did not understand it at all when it took place. For those of you that don't remember, it was Jose Peraza, Alex Wood, Jim Johnson, uh, uh, Bronson Arroyo, essentially, and Luis Avalon. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) To the Dodgers for Oliveira. Paco Rodriguez, who we just talked about, which is interesting. So that's that's a piece of this deal that could end up helping. Uh, Zach Bird and the 40th pick in the draft, which ended up being Joey Wentz. So that actually helps things a little bit. But I don't know. The Oliveira thing never made sense to me, to be honest. I never was a fan of the contract. I was never a fan of the player that much. And obviously, that was even before we knew about the, the off-the-field issue that ended up costing him his Braves career. So uh, this is you know purely on the field. I just never understood it. I think you and I are probably higher on Alex Wood than most people were at the time and probably still. Um, and it's not as if people, you know, if you're if you're a supporter of the trade, it's because uh, a you like Matt Kemp or b you were never super high on Alex Wood and you want to point out that Alex Wood that got hurt wasn't great last year. And I understand that, but at the time Alex Wood had had really you know a couple of back to back good seasons and was a an, an interesting player to say the least. Plus Peraza, who was you know at the time your best prospect, you know, top three yeah. at least. Um, yeah. Not a huge prospect, but at the same time, a pretty good one and a guy who looks like might be this year, might be a full-time starter in the major league. So, yeah, at, at no point was that, was that deal going to be a good one. Um, the Braves, you know, might have salvaged it a little bit with the, with the Matt Kemp trade. The jury's still out there. I think it's probably too soon to assume that that Kemp deal is going to work out. Obviously, he was pretty good down the stretch last year, but he still owed a lot of money. So the, he has to be um, at least playable. And I, I think he will be, to be honest. I think if he, especially if he hits like he like he did down the stretch last year. But that's not a guarantee by any means. And even then, you're still paying him uh, more than he's worth. So, uh, you know, that that deal definitely was not good at the time. I, I don't understand it now. Obviously, it looks worse in retrospect because of the Oliveira off-field stuff. But I think we shouldn't let that cloud the fact that it was not a good deal when it happened. I agree completely, and and that's why I'm going to nominate the the Simmons trade. Um, if you look at the deal, it was Angelton Simmons, essentially, for three players. Um, and it it's Sean Newcomb, Chris Ellis, and Eric Ibar. Um, I guess the first part of this should be that it's it's not really John Coppola's fault, John Hart's fault, that Eric Ibar went from being a respectable major league infielder for a decade to being like one of the five worst players in baseball last year. Um, so... On that sense, I, I, don't, I don't blame them for, for getting Ibar in there. Uh, they had no way of knowing he was going to fall off a cliff in his first season outside of Anaheim. Um, you look at Newcomb, and, and you always, with all these deals, you can always put the asterisk and say, but we're still early, but we still need to see where we're at in three years. Um, I think of all the deals, of, of all the pitchers who have been brought over, I think Newcomb uh, so far has been the least impressive of, of the big names the Braves have traded for, acquired, drafted. Um, it's just, if you read a scouting report on him, if you, if you, if you watch video of him, it's just the consistent struggle to throw good strikes. And I know he made some improvements in the second half of last year. And I hope I really do. I, I'm not trying to hate on Sean Newcomb. I'm, I, I want him to be the next, he always gets the John Lester comparison for whatever reason. I hope he becomes the next John Lester and more. Um, but you look at that, you look at Newcomb, a guy who, who, I think it certainly has a much higher chance of, of not being a thing than being a thing. Uh, and then Chris Ellis was a guy who was traded as one-third the package of Jaime Garcia and one season of, of Jaime Garcia is not, uh, you know, they didn't bring in a, a superstar by any means. So uh, considering that Simmons is still pretty cost-effective, even if you don't love defense or think defense is overly important or think that war overvalues defense, um, 
I think that Simmons could, should have and, and could have honestly fetched more. Um, and, and again, maybe Sean Newcomb figures it out. Maybe he's a, he's a great starting pitcher in the league for 10 years. But if I had to kind of have a, a trade over, it wouldn't be that I wouldn't trade Simmons. It's just I would have I would have looked for a different package. Um, I thought it was an okay return at the time, and, and obviously, uh, you know, two or so years uh, after, um, or really, I guess it's only a year after. Um, I, I hope uh, I hope Newcomb's able to figure it out, or that one would probably be one that Capella would want back. Yeah, I mean, I saw some people in the comments of the post uh, originally on Talking Chop that said, and they were talking about Danny Swanson as a part of that, and I don't, you know, it's 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 completely separate for me. The deal is the deal. It's not like, oh, but what they wouldn't have Swanson it was like, actually, well, a, you don't know that, and b, um, something tells me he still would have pulled the trigger yeah. to get Vance be with with Angleton in town, and you yeah. st- and you still could have gotten more for Simmons. That was the big thing for us, I think. Uh, it's fair to say that a lot of us, especially sabermetrically inclined people, were potentially overvaluing Simmons just a little bit. But the glove is so important to shortstop that uh, you know the packages might not have been there for copy, but um, no one loved it at the time. And it wasn't about just trading Simmons; it was about not getting enough for him. Um, Newcomb was the piece. We, I think we all knew at the time that if Newcomb didn't pan out, that was going to be a bad deal because even uh, you know, with all due respect to Eric Ibar, like it almost didn't matter how bad he was last year, if that makes sense, because. He was only signed for a year. Um, they yeah. traded for him as a pure stopgap for a team that was not going to be a playoff team anyway. So, like, Ibar being bad made this trade look worse. But in the end, like, even if Ibar was good, it really wouldn't have mattered. It, that was not a long-term asset. It was a guy who, uh, obviously, they thought there was going to be better than, than he actually was. But this was basically Newcomb. Newcomb was the big, big, big piece in the deal. And, that you know, a lot of people make this mistake at the time. I know, I know you didn't and I didn't. But people were talking about this that, that being an Ibar for Simmons trade with a little bit of help, and it was actually a Simmons for Newcomb trade with a little bit of help. Um, and hopefully Newcomb pans out. But uh, as you said, you know he's a very uh, volatile prospect, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, I don't want to I don't want to make it make it as easy as uh, if Newcomb pans out, it's a good trade. If he doesn't, it's a bad trade because that's that's just something something you can't do with prospects. But I thought the value wasn't there at the time. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, we'll, we'll kind of see. Well, this is. You know the nice thing about trades is you get the retrospect on them. Uh, you know I'm sure the Braves were, were had a little bit of higher hopes than what Newcomb did last year, but you know if, if he does, if he starts in AAA and he he kind of builds off of what was in the second half, there's no reason to think he couldn't be a big league uh, a big league starter down the road. Um, but again, when you're when you're just banking on a left-handed pitching prospect, uh, you know kind of as the center point of the deal uh, that takes on a ton of risk and and. Um, right now, I, I think that most would agree that if they could have one trade back, other than the Oliveira deal, um, at least I, I would argue that it would be the Simmons deal. And listen, uh, by the way, most teams uh, over this t- over this over the same time period have a much worse trade on their on their ledger than the Simmons trade. So uh, absolutely, Cobb done a great job and won a lot of trades. But uh, so this I just thought this was interesting to discuss because it was it was running around the internet here. So uh, Braves country enjoyed that discussion, and uh, there it is. There, there are our thoughts on it. Uh, before we get out of here, Scott, let's hit some mailbag questions. Uh, one quick one from Robbie Tinsley. Uh, who is one rookie that will make his debut this season that we aren't expecting? We kind of talked about, talk about this a little bit in the, in the past, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are because there really isn't that obvious, Scott, especially now that Peterson is off the board. We, we've touched on a couple. Ozzie Albies is, is the obvious one. Uh, we mentioned A.J. Minter during the bullpen discussion. I think he's somebody who, who could see Atlanta by, by the summertime. Um, you know, as much as I just kind of hated on on Newcomb, uh, if he has a strong first half, he he has a shot. I think at, at getting a second half call up, a September call up. 
Um, if we're going with somebody off the radar or someone who's not being expected, um, Johan Camargo has had a really nice spring for the Braves. He, he hit a home run the other night. Um, a guy who, who has always really just kind of flown under the radar. And I don't think anyone's expecting him to be a star, but just kind of a, a quality utility piece one day. Um, Camargo with a strong start to the season could probably see Atlanta by sometime during the summer. So I'll say him, especially with the, the Braves' bench being nothing to write home about. Um, he's a guy who could, uh, you know, who could, who could, uh, have his number called at some point this year. Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, I think we probably didn't do enough on him last week on the bench preview, but uh, Camargo, Camargo has been better uh, since then. I'm still not sure he can hit. You know, looking at his track record, I can't imagine he's going to be able to hit. But because the Braves need somebody to back up a shortstop, that might be a thing. Um, yeah, there isn't that. I mean, outside of the extremely obvious names like Albies, um, there really isn't the next guy who I think uh, is definitely a strong bet. You know, but Camargo could be an interesting target, and that's kind of we could probably leave it there because it's not that interesting because of the fact that there's the kind of obvious names and the not so obvious names. Um, real quick, uh, what do you think about Braxton Davidson? This question came from Michael Leonard. What do you think about Braxton Davidson? Does he does he have the potential to be a major league player? And uh, what are the pros and cons of his game? Just a little bit of background on Davidson before I get to uh, Scott's response here. He's a former number 32 overall pick. We we mentioned him in passing earlier on in the podcast as a guy who used to be on Braves prospect list and no longer is, but he's, he's still 20 years old, which seems crazy considering how long he's been around, but he's still only 20. Uh, yeah. walk, walks a ton, strikes out a ton, not a ton of power, so just sort of a weird prospect. So, But I'm wondering if you think there's uh, at least a chance that he comes out of this sort of malaise and sort of, I think he's almost a non-prospect now, and uh, it's kind of crazy considering how young he is. Yeah, if you, it's amazing that that question came up because you know Braxton has just totally fallen off the prospect radar. Um, I guess considering he's still twenty years old, there's always a chance that he's kind of a late bloomer. I think he was a young seventeen-year-old when the Braves took him. Um, I guess there's a chance that he figures it out. You mentioned that he strikes out more than a third of his at bats. That, that's never a good sign in the lower level, at any level, let alone the the lower levels of the league. Um, I guess there's a shot that his his plate discipline and his, he has some raw power that hasn't been tapped into um, could come around one day, but I, I can't imagine him really uh, ever uh, ever turning it all together. And really, I think it's an important thing to note uh, come draft time. All the there's so many Braves fans saying, "Oh, they need hitters, they need hitters. These pitchers don't work out." Well, if you look at the last couple hitters the Braves have taken up top uh, between him and and then going back a few years to Matt Lipka. Um, there, there's zero guarantees with prospects, whether they're hitters or pitchers. And um, I think with Davidson, uh, it was a pretty obvious miss with the top 32 pick. And, and a, it's one that uh, <laughs> obviously it's a different front office now, but one that probably uh, shouldn't have been made in retrospect. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Lipka, by the way. Um, and so while we're here, you know, Davidson, if you're looking for a way for him to pull out of this, it's because he walks a lot. His play discipline is good. Uh, the strikeout rate is, you know, appalling. Last year, I think it was 36%, which is crazy. Crazy, crazy high, and then because because of the fact that he's not really have a lot of power, that's kind of an untenable situation. You know, walking a lot is good, but uh, if, if that's all you do, uh, and that's and, and you strike out a lot, it's really kind of a rough recipe. But if you're looking for optimism, it's because, it's because he's still young. Uh, There's at least a chance he could become a passable thing, but uh, he's off the radar for a reason, I would say. But that's that's the question, and uh, hopefully he can get it straightened out because it's never a bad thing to have another another talented outfielder. You know, obviously he's a talented enough guy to go in the first round of the draft. Um, and still be this young, so I don't want to write him off completely, but it seems pretty unlikely now that he ever becomes a thing, but there you go. Um, before we get out of here, a non-baseball question that I thought was funny, um, coming from Braves Options Guy on Twitter, uh, he asks a uh, pretty simple question, 
Which is the best Girl Scout cookie? Samoa. End of podcast. Uh, I disagree. Uh, I do like Samoas. I will say that. I do like Samoas, uh, but nothing nothing beats a, a Thin Mint in the freezer. Uh, that's a, It might be a rogue opinion from me, but uh, throw a Thin Mint in the freezer and prosper. And let's be real. If you put some Girl Scout cookies in front of me, I'm going to eat like the entire box, like all of them. Um, but yeah, Thin Mints, uh, Tagalongs, can't go wrong with a Tagalong. Um, but I'm in, I'm totally on Team Samoa. I think they're the best. I think you get a decent amount of them. Um, those little, those little seven-year-olds outside the grocery stores that always get you. Um, do you go? I, do you go? Do you go fridge? Do you go fridge with with Samoa or no? Oh no, no! I, I just go straight out of the box. Yeah, I, Usually, I'm with you on that. They don't even make it to the kitchen. Like you buy them and you just <laughs> walk into the living room and eat them on the couch. I'm with you on that. I, I'm trying to watch my figure a little bit, so I don't want to have them in the house because I will. I will do the same thing. I will eat them. Uh, on on command, if they're in front of me, it's not going to last long. But yeah, Thin Mints in the freezer, uh, followed by and my runner-up would be Samoas. But you can't go wrong with either one. I thought it was an interesting question, and the and the debate was raging earlier this week on Twitter. So I wanted to make sure make sure we we weighed in here. Uh, well, th- Scott, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, please plug anything you want from Talking Chop this week. Obviously, we're in spring training mode, and there's lots going on. But I don't know if you have anything specific coming up, or I tell people where they can find you on Twitter if they don't already know. Yeah, we'll probably touch on the the third base platoon possibility. We touched on that earlier. Uh, probably write a little bit on that and just kind of the pros and cons, as we all mentioned. Um, you know, the World Baseball Classic it's going this week. It's yeah, we'll see. It's it's competitive baseball. Which <laughs> we'll see. People, yes. Yeah, it's we'll uh, see. people. You know, competitive baseball is better than no baseball after six months off. So. World Baseball Classic, and uh, yeah, it looks like uh, the other news, we didn't really touch on it too much today, but SunTrust Park has grass, has grass and lights and everything. So we're, uh, I think it's less than four weeks now until the uh, the Yankees come to town for that uh, like exclusive exhibition, like only season ticket holders get in, I think. Yeah, I believe, uh, I believe, it's, I believe that's A-list members only, of which I am one, by the way. Uh, well, there so you go. There you, there you go. I'll, be, I'll hopefully be there for that day. I haven't, I haven't really seen much on that yet because I think they're still trying to get stuff um, set up. This is a very, very close time, I will say. Uh, the Braves might be sweating a little bit with the way that things are going, but you know, to have a field in there is nice. Uh, they will be playing a baseball game there in about, what, five weeks from now or so? Um, yeah, yeah, and I think you know. In hindsight, I was kind of bummed. I was bummed when the the schedule came out that the Braves were opening up a three straight road series. But if you follow along That's on why. like their web camera, yeah, they, they could probably use the extra ten days just to uh, even just for quality control because they're going to go from uh, you know they have their one kind of soft walkthrough, and then you know you're going to have in the range of about one hundred and thirty thousand people there on opening weekend, and you, you probably want to have everything up to speed to, to handle that rush. Oh, yeah. They're at, that, that absolutely was, was a, uh, a calculated choice for the Braves. They requested the late opener for a reason. Uh, it's because of the fact that they weren't going to be ready uh, at, the be- at the beginning. I think we, we've now seen that. Um, they've tried their best to speed this thing up, and uh, we won't go too deep into the, all the reasons why it might be a disaster, because it might be, uh, but we'll see how that happens. I'm rooting for them to be oh. uh, functional, because I want the, you know the baseball to be the story and not the uh, stadium to be the story necessarily early on, but we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, Central Park will be ready to go. Uh, I will definitely report back if I can make it to the to the A-list, the A-list opener and kind of tell people what to expect um, from that if they're not able to make it to that. But uh, baseball, it's happening. There's a field and everything. And if you look at the webcam, it looks like a baseball stadium for the first time, which is nice. Yeah, excited. You know, it's, as an out-of-towner, it's something that I've kind of followed along for 
the two or three years that they've been building. So it's nice to see it. You know, we're kind of in the final stretch here for it to be all completed. Absolutely. Uh, well, Scott, I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, as always, Carl will be back next week, I'd imagine, unless I kick him off the podcast. We'll see what happens. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he'll be back, <laughs> and we'll do another podcast next week. For uh, everybody else, please subscribe on Twitter. Uh, sorry, subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Chop. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roller. Follow Scott at ScottHole55. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.